to be in his presence and being able, because in his presence is fullness of joy, but not only that, the anointing destroys the yoke. So if you have come into the community today, if you are here live with us today and you have um, anything, 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 anything that will prevent you from entering in, the presence of the Lord is here to meet that need, to bring you to the, a place of not just divine alignment, but he really is concerned about our souls today. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word that is coming forth today. I thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke. I thank you for everybody that is here, those that will even see the replay, but those that are here in the audience, we thank you that all needs are met in Christ. We thank you that there is nothing that you cannot do. We thank you that in your presence, Father, we can just lay it before you and you come to answer. And we thank you for every message that has come previously, Father, to get us together, to make us ready. And we thank you today that you would anoint this word in the ears and hearts of your people, that we will be receptive to the alignment and the correction. And Father, I thank you that we will be ready soldiers standing before our King in honor and in reverence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We praise God for um, those of you in, in honoring the um, founder of this house, Apostle Teresa Harvard Johnson. We kind of the privilege to be able to stand before you today. So we're going to talk today about salt and light. And I know you may have heard uh, everything about what you think that salt and light was, but I just love it when the when the Lord uh, unexpectedly opens up your understanding about something you think you know about. And of course, we have what is the conservatory, um, and we also have a disclaimer. We want to jump right into um, the lesson. So for the last few weeks, the last month, we have really been talking about being prepared um, to be of service in honor to the king. And the last message I believe that Apostle Teresa was talking about was, are you alive in Christ or are you dead? And I believe the message last week really gave us an understanding and, and a, a framework to check ourselves to see, well, you know, where am I? Am I on a respirator? Am I living? Am I breathing? Is, am I Lazarus? Is God having to call me out of the cave, out of the grave? And so pondering that, and also then there was this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, spoken word piece by uh, Minister Nalda that really went through the process of dying and, and being resurrected at the end in Christ. So when I was looking at all these things that uh, we have discussed about being in service, being in um, in the army of the Lord, we would sing these songs, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord, but I think now we're really getting an understanding of what that really means. Of course, we can look at examples of those that are in uh, military service and see them marching. And, you know, they all have one look. They have a uniform. They all have a, a buzz cut or no hair at all. They all look the same. And what the Lord is, is getting us into the position of salt and light that we begin to speak the same things and that we look the same way, that there is nothing that's out of order. One of the things that I have, uh, especially this weekend, looking at the military, the all seven branches of the military of how they have an induction. 
and when you an induction center. So as you are enlisting and you're coming in and they have certain things that you just can't do, they're going to get rid of a whole lot of things. And how many of you know that uh, when we come to Christ, we come, you know, songs is just as I am without one plea. You know, so we come in just like we are, but do you not know that we coming in like we are, but we can't stay like we are. He, he is on, he's on a mission to get us together. So you come into the induction center and I watched, um, some films about how this happens and they start out rough with you. They not pancaking with you. They not sugarcoating it. They not candy landing it. They are getting you ready. So they start you out with a firm word. Stand up straight. Look ahead. Only respond when I tell you to. And you're going to respond to me like I tell you to. Don't do nothing if I didn't tell you to do nothing. So in my studies of this, I mean, it really quickened me to see just how serious this walk is. We think we know it, but but there's a process, there's a way, and we're going to get into the genius of God. But this is one of the things of the military, and we need to understand what our oath is, what we are committed to. It says, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And and for those of you that are in other countries, you know, you have your own um, constitution or the land of where you live. Defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me, according to regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice, so help me God. And you know if you sign up for the military, you need God to help you for real. But what about, what are we pledging? What are we pledging to Christ? We come in, we say, Lord, we thank you for saving me, and we go heavily on our way. However, he really wants us, us uh, for him. I saw that, they, and they sing this song. You know, you left, you left your mama, you left your daddy, you left your girlfriend, you left your dog, your cat, your fish, you left every, you left your house, and here you are. So really the scripture comes into forgetting those things that are behind and pressing into the things that are before. I press for the mark of God, for the calling of God in Christ Jesus, but we don't really, you know, we're getting into the press now, but we. So I am amazed at the strategy and genius of God. Here he is in Matthew 4. He's tempted by the devil. He, he overcomes all of that. Then he chooses Peter and Andrew, James and John, just four. I didn't think it happened like that right away, but he did that coming out of the wilderness. He chose those two, and then the word got out. Somebody healing in the city. Somebody He's feeding people. That's a strategy. Do you see how, how he's, he's trying to build his army? So he's going to feed you. He's going to heal you. And then he's going to put you to work. But before he gets you to, to putting you to work, he going to train you. So it says, Matthew 5 is one of the greatest strategies that I have seen in Scripture. How the master began his recruitment and enlistment campaign. After he overcame Satan in Matthew 4, he began to rehearse the prophecy from Isaiah, introducing himself. He said, okay, you don't know me, but let me tell you. So the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. 
repent. I'm finna change your mind. I'm finna change how you think about things because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, he was saying, here I am. Here I am. I'm who you've been waiting on. Ain't nobody been up in these parts feeding y'all. Ain't nobody been over here healing y'all. You just been out here and I know you've been waiting for me. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He didn't come in with no strange doctrine. He, he says what his daddy said. He said what the father said. He said, I only do what I see the father do. And healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all. So when you start doing things for the people, here comes everybody. Y'all remember the time when they had, some of y'all may not, government cheese. Everybody was lining up to get that government cheese. If it's something free, folks are coming. So here they came out. And it says the fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all sick people who were, so you know, they not only just got healed and, and fed for themselves, they went and got their kin folks. They went back home and said, you know what? It's a stranger over here. <laughs> we don't know him, but he seems pretty cool. Uh, let's, let's, come on. You see, look, my leg is straight. Look, he healed me. Come on, get healed. So they brought people, all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. Anybody ever been tormented? And those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. It was nothing too hard for God. Not one thing. It said he healed them. Why? Because he was on a mission. He was on a mission. He's recruiting. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And that was Matthew 4, 23 to 25. So here we are. We're trying to figure out, say, he's gathered all the people. They're good and full. You know when you're full, then you can hear better. But when you're hungry, you don't hear nothing. You don't see nothing because you have that need. Man. So he's, he has fed them, and now he's getting ready to tell them what the kingdom is about, Matthew 5. So the Beatitudes are, say, are the sayings of Jesus, and in particular, eight blessings counted by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, and four in the Sermon on the Plain in the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to go back and forth with Matthew and Luke um, today, followed by four woes which mirrored the blessings. That was from Wikipedia. So the Beatitudes introduced and set the tone for Jesus' Sermon on the Mount by emphasizing the humble state of humans and the righteousness of God. Each Beatitude depicts the ideal heart condition, it's dealing with the heart, of a citizen of God's kingdom. Okay, y'all coming into this kingdom? Let me tell you about my father. Let me tell you the requirements that need the repentance, the change of heart, the change of mind that needs to happen for you to be successful in the kingdom. So in this ideal state, the believer experiences abundant spiritual blessings. However, the word blessed should be properly translated as fully satisfied. Now we're going to Go through an exercise here, and, and you're going to see that we can't just skim over the word blessed. We need to be fully satisfied in the things that God has mandated for us um, to achieve. So because it does not depend on favorable circumstances, help us, help us, help us. If it ain't all balloons and hearts and, and all these uh, sugar canes and stuff, we get mad, we throw the mic down, we quit in church, we stumping off into the sunset. But here it is, despite 
not having favorable circumstances. He's letting you know already, you come in this way. I know you have because you ate, but it's not going to always feel this good. Usually the opposite is true. Matthew 5. So everywhere where you see blessed, we're going to substitute that word for fully satisfied. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught him. Now, it's a multitude. It's a multitude. They got to hear him. He got a lot to say. But it's a whole bunch of people. Whole bunch of people. A lot of folks. Now, what do we say blessed were? Fully satisfied. Are you fully satisfied? Are you pouring the spirit? But there's a king. We ain't, you know, we have satisfied maybe on a good day. But really to be poor, to really need God, to really not be self-sufficient in what we think we can do. Fully satisfied are those that are poor in spirit. For theirs are the kingdom of heaven. You say, okay, this is requirement. Come on. Fully satisfied are those who mourn, for they shall have you ever been mournful? Ever been sorry for something? Have you ever been sorrowful over your sin? Are you still repenting to the Lord? Even though he's forgiven you, he is saying, listen, it's all right. I'm nigh to them that are broken and of a contrite heart. Are you fully satisfied as being me? Meekness is not weakness. We hate that. That's a dirty word. It's not weakness. It's the ability to be taught without bucking up. For they shall inherit the earth. Fully satisfied are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. I fed you, but now I want to turn your hurts and your thirst, your hunger and your thirst for me and the kingdom. Fully satisfied, because you'll be filled. Fully satisfied are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. He's giving us all these blessings. Fully satisfied. Are you merciful? Are you ready to cut folks off at the, at the pass? Are you ready to off with their head? Because you're going to need some mercy. We're going to need some mercy. Fully satisfied are the peacemakers. Do you like to fight? Fully satisfied. For they shall be called sons of God. Sons of God. Sons of God are peacemakers. For they shall be called the sons of God. Fully satisfied are those who, oh, here we go, Uh uh-oh. Fully satisfied are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. He didn't say for any other reason. You know, we get mad when folks tell the truth on us. He said, are you fully satisfied if you are persecuted, if you are reviled, If they're talking about you bad, can you be fully satisfied in knowing? And they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Do you put up the dukes ready to defend yourself? He said, rejoice. I ain't seen nobody happy glad about that. They persecuted me. They talking about, he said, you start, you need to get your dance on. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecute the prophets who were before you. So we got a lot of room to get fully satisfied, don't we? 
Look at his strategy. He said, I'm telling you right now, this is all good about meekness and, and all this other stuff. It's, I need you to be fully satisfied and all this. Hunger and thirst for righteousness and all that. Then he said, but when the persecution comes, can you be fully satisfied then? He recruiting. He recruiting. Now, you know, everybody that show up, somebody don't make it. They don't accept everybody that show up. For the, for the armed forces. Some of, <laughs> some of them be like, nah, this ain't for me. I cannot do this. I'm going back home to my mama. That happened to someone that I knew, a mentee of mine years ago, and he was all excited and got there. That first week, he was like writing letters. I can't do it. I can't. It's too, it's too tough. But see, he had been pampered by his mother the whole time, his whole life. So when you get to a place that requires some discipline and somebody in your face and they hollering in your ear, you'd be like, I ain't. They say I was built for it, but I ain't built for this. So here is the mandate. He was doing all of this because he was saying, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? Salt is good. Now, he's not saying it's not bad. We are salt. We're supposed to be good and salty. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. We're going to talk about the dunghill. When men throw it out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Good for nothing, not fit. But what does this mean by saying good for nothing and not fit? Wasn't he all nice and everything? Wasn't, didn't the Lord, you know, he love us and, you know, we coming in, we want to be in the soul, we want to be a soldier in his army. He fed us and he gave us these rules. Yeah, you know, I know. We're going to get a little persecution, but what is he talking about salt now? That just don't seem to connect. What, what does salt have to do with anything? So this is a picture of the Dead Sea. It is the saltiest body of water on earth. Can you imagine that? It, it is just, all this is salt. Y'all see this? You don't go to any beaches or lakes or anywhere around here and see these mounds of salt. Nothing can flourish there but salt. Ooh-ooh. It's known for the production of asphalt, potash, and fertilizer, and the Jordan River flows into it, but, but because of its salinity, you can float. You can go on YouTube and watch videos, and you can see people just floating in the water. They don't need no, uh, no floating suit or any, any kind of apparatus like that. They just land in the water. You can't drown in the salt. Somebody will get that. Can't drown in the salt. You can't drown in the salt. And you know what? Salt does preserve. But here's some more. So why would Jesus use the parable of the salt? So they were in the area. They weren't far from the Dead Sea. When he talked about this, they would understand what he was talking about. And if they had never been there, they heard about the reputation of the salt sea. So we have this attribute this attribute that the function of salt was to flavor and preserve. How many of you know that? Those of you that could put salt for seasoning. And in other things, um, I didn't understand this. Okay, this is, this is a little 
old folks wisdom, not mine because I ain't old, but the people that I listen to, my, my, my grandmother, my grand, my grandmother, they would do these different things. So they would take y'all listen to this. Some of you all may have um, heard this before. But if you step on a nail or cut your feet, you outside running in the country and you come home, mama, cut my feet, cut my foot. They would take a piece of salt pork. Do you hear what I'm saying? And wrap that foot, wrap that meat around that foot. Next day, your foot is here. That salt closed up the wound. Why are we not healing people? Why are we not salty closing up wounds? We're supposed to be able to heal. So, however, the function of this salt that Jesus was referring to was made of potassium chloride, not magnesium, but potassium chloride that's used as potash. Potash is used as a fertilizer. You can use it in your plants. You can put it in the ground. You can use all these different things. If you do a search, um, Dig into that definition. It, it gets rid of insects and just all kinds of things. It helps the plants to live. It's good for the earth. It inhibits what shouldn't be and promotes what should be. So, for example, people will go to their backyard and eliminate their human waste. Poop, boo-boo, whatever you call it. And they would throw the salt on it. And it would fertilize it. It would keep it from stinking. Do you understand? That's what they used it for. We blessed now because we just, you know, flush the toilet. Back then, it was outside. It was outdoors. And in order to keep, to make sure other things didn't grow, they do that. Jesus said, That if the salt lost its saltiness, it was not even good enough for that. Do you understand that? You are the the light of the world. Let me go back. There was one other part that I I didn't get in here. So there were salt merchants, and they would um, sell salt. They'd go get it, bag it up, and sell it to... um, the people in the neighborhood, the wife, the housewife, the woman would go and purchase salt. But if she got home, if they were crooked, she would get home and find out that they had mixed sand in the salt. And that's what the Lord was saying. The mixture makes it worthless, not fit to be consumed. All right. Now, then he says, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. Some translations say bushel, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. But you know, this is how we are, isn't it? Are we hiding out? You can't see out and can't nobody see you. (laughs) He said, forget that. Take that off. Stop hiding. Many of us have heard of the parable of the five talents. And to the five, he gave one five. He gave another one three and another one one. 
And the five went doubled his investment. The three did the same, but the one he hid the investment of the Lord. And God was angry. And he said, you knew I was going to be mad. Why haven't you multiplied what I have given to you? So now he's saying he's getting us ready. We're supposed to be ready, ready. We're getting ready. Take the lamp off. Take the lampshade off. He wants you to be seen. Why? Because you are supposed to look like him. And if we are hidden, how can the world be transformed and won into his kingdom? So stop hiding. So here he was. This is an example of, I love how the Lord does this. And stick with me, this is not off from topic. He says, this is the story of the woman that was caught in adultery. I always often wonder, how was she caught? And how was y'all all uh, peeping times looking and finding out enough to drag her out of the house into to Jesus? How did that happen? So, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the house, to, again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes, here we go, the scribes and the Pharisees, brought to him a woman. Now, now, okay, I, I missed this, so let me go back. He came again into the temple and sat down. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman. Called, they went inside the church and drugged this woman and said she was caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. In the very act, how? How is that happening? Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? See, they're trying to trip Jesus up. This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. You know, there's always somebody trying to accuse the Lord or the Lord in, in you. And so he said, he stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. And everybody's like, well, what did he write? As though he didn't hear, he didn't pay him any attention. You know, he went back. He had to be an example. He said, when men start persecuting you, you just, you just keep it moving. So when they continue to ask him, don't that get on your nerves sometimes when people just keep on asking and asking and asking and asking? And I told you, and obviously my silence is saying, I'm not paying you no attention. So this is what he was doing. So finally he said he raised himself up after he started riding on the ground. Who, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Jesus, knowing the hearts of all men, they couldn't pick up no stone. Then he knew that they had sinned. And so he stooped down again and, and wrote on the ground. So we often ask, what did Jesus write on the ground? Uh, rabbinical scholars would have immediately understood that Jesus was implying that he wrote the Ten Commandments. So how dare they accuse him of not knowing? He was the lawgiver. They knew that according to Exodus 23, 1 through 2, they were the unrighteous witnesses and that there had to be more than one witness. Deuteronomy 19.15 says, plus the law of Moses commanded that she be stoned. 
but the law of the Romans forbade execution by Jews. So it wasn't anything that they could do. But Jesus was ready for them. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, and this blessed me, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In other words, he was telling them that I'm the light. I know y'all don't believe it. Y'all don't want to even have me associate with who I am. But this, I am the light. I am. Now, he didn't say he was the salt. That was for you. He said he was the light. And then he would be light within us. So how do we lose our saltiness and dim our light? You can check as many as apply. Amen. So this is the place where crooked salt merchants would sell unsuspecting wives salt that had been adulterated. There was mixture. They would mix sand with it, bag it, and then give it to them. And then when she got home, it wasn't good for anything. It wasn't good for anything. The food was ruined and the backyard was stinking up the place. So what does that look like for us, though? This is what messes with our salt content. We're always, you know, looking at the ingredients and how much sodium this is. We got to keep our blood sugar, our blood pressure low and different things like that. But when it comes to being salty for the Lord, we must be salty. What messes with our salt? Distraction. Lack of discernment. Dull of hearing. He's speaking. We can't hear. Not using our weapons of prayer, fasting, giving. Did you know giving was a weapon? Come on now. Giving is a weapon. Let me just encourage y'all to, you know, let's, let's dig deep a little bit. Let's give. We say we want to be blessed, but we could be some of the stingiest people in the world. The Lord is saying, Lucy, <laughs> come on and get free. Amen. Disobedience, half-heartedness excuses in the scriptures it's the lord i would come but i just i just bought some real estate and i gotta wait till the deal close or i just got married we going on a honeymoon or um i just got me a new car back then he said you know donkeys or whatever i just got a new car and i got a test drive it and he said these are excuses weariness tired of waiting on the lord unforgiveness that's, that's a matter of the heart. Y'all know I got to throw it in every now and then. I got to get it out. We can, be, we can get all this other stuff, but if we got unforgiveness, that's a block. Why? Because you're going to be on the battlefield mad and, and, or holding on, and then missiles are flying. You can't, you can't defend yourself or even your, your, your comrades, your, your fellow soldiers, because you got your head in the space. Your, your heart is not with the troop. So we have to get in the place till we start getting over all this stuff. We start maturing and nipping stuff in the bud as soon as it happens. Or even if you feel like it's such a devastation that you can get to the place where, where you're like, Lord, listen, listen, I, I forgive them, but I, I still got something going on in here. So just help me get through this. And sometimes you have to keep on and keep on and keep on, but we can't allow 
unforgiveness to be a block to keep us out of the formation and the alignment of the the kingdom. Idolatry. Do you know we, we have so much idolatry? I mean, we can look on the landscape of social media. We just, you know, we, it's not, you know, we know Christ above men, but some places it's men above Christ. It could be anything. It be it could be something um, physical, but it can always you can have a monument in your heart that's an idol. You can can have a way of of living a, a perception that is an idol that will keep you from doing the things of God. Spiritual contraband. What is that? So you know when you go to the induction and they have you open up and you see they have you open up your bags. They're gonna have you to uh they're gonna inspect what you got have you pull everything out and they're gonna look so what have you brought into the kingdom that does not belong there what what appetites what what types of um opinions do you have that's contraband now when you go to other countries there's certain things now i've learned this from a long time i can go anywhere but i'm careful about what i bring home Something's got to stay in the little souvenir shop where it is. You're not coming with me. I got enough stuff to do. I don't need any outside uh, warfare. So anything that, that you bring it into the kingdom that should not be. These are things, especially if the Lord has highlighted the, the idolatry to you, and we still holding on to those things. So here we are being compromised and, and you know, cares of this world. All of these things or would cause us to lose our saltiness and to dim our light. Now, this is some stuff. I may not even have have um, sent the mail to your address. You know which things are on your list. And you know the thing about the Lord, he's given us um, Holy Spirit that will allow, that will help us. He's our helper. So not only will he highlight what that is, but he will also get us to the place where we can overcome that um, hindrance. Right, we're almost done. These are things where he gets in your face and he's saying the cannots. You cannot be half satisfied with Christ in the kingdom. You're either in or you're out. He's an all or none God. He wants all of us. We can't, you know... Give him this and then have something behind our back that we hold it out. He wants every single ounce of us because it is required for him because no man can serve two masters. You're going to love one or you're going to hate the other. There's no compromise. You can't, you can't, you can't be straddled the fence like the old folks say. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. He's passionate and he will come for you. But until then, those of us that have gotten serious that we really want to be ready, then he's saying, okay, get that other foot. Get, the, get that other foot. Get it, get it in alignment. I saw that um, when I was looking at what they did. They went, no matter how you were standing, he said, no hands on your hips. Uh, n- have your uh, hands behind your back. Tuck your shirt in. Stand up straight. Look forward. He was all about posture. So when it comes to us, our posture has to be fully satisfied. We stand in straight. Our walk is right. And we are not, um, our feet aren't turned in different directions that will cause 
us or someone else to stumble. So you have to be fully committed. The rich young ruler in Matthew 19 and another one was just, you know, Lord, what must I do to enter the kingdom? And he said, oh, have you done this? Have you, he started naming different things and then the commandments and the, and the young man was proud. Sir, I've kept those from my youth. I've done all those. He said, okay, you got money. Go, go give up your money. Now, you know, that's some of our idols. Well, hello, somebody. Mess with that money, it's going to be a problem. So Jesus went right to his sore spot, and he said to him, give it up. Go feed the poor. He went away sorrowful because God tapped into his pride, his idol. He wasn't ready to be fully committed. So he says this, and this was, wow, this was amazing. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, we love our life. He cannot, they say cannot, cannot be my disciple. Now he's not saying a murderous kind of hate. He's just saying they can't, can't nobody be above me. You can't love anybody more than me. You can love them, but not more, not be more committed to them than me. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So we have to get to the place even now, every point of our lives, every day, we're going to have to count up the cost. Every day we need to be, not that we're just saved, but there will be opportunities for us to kind of ski change, kind of cut corners, kind of not give God a yes, give him a yes. Maybe. Let's see how this pan out. No, there's no let's see how this pans out with God. Yes, that's the obedience he's looking for. So we have to count up the cost of being salt and light. This is what he's saying to you now. For you you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You know, some things we just don't want to know. We're just like, um, uh, we won't ask God about some things because we just like, I, don't, I already know I'm not going to like his answer. But he is saying, find out what's acceptable to me. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful. You're light now. That's what he's saying. He said, you're light now. You're light. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what light does. Light exposes, but it also clarifies. Exposes, but it also gives direction. It exposes, but then it says, this light allows you to get in a place where you can be used of him. Because then you're seen, you're read of men. People can see where they're to go and how they're to get to him. 
For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest in the light. You know, um, John 1, I believe, and 1 and 2 talks about um, that the light shines in darkness and there's no, he can't overcome it. He don't understand it. It makes him weak. He is destroyed by the light. So it behooves us to get in this place so that we are exposing um, the darkness. But all things, and I'm not saying you got to go on a hunt for a demon. You ain't got to do that. Just walking in light, they'll start. I remember uh, once we were in um, San Francisco, a group of saints, we were on fire for the Lord. We were just walking. We weren't saying nothing. We had, you know, just walking. And this man, well, he started cutting up and doing all this kind of stuff. You don't, you don't have to do anything. Sometimes your silence speaks louder than your words. That's the power of light. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, this is what he is saying. Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. I believe the last few weeks, Apostle Teresa has been um, teaching us about rising from the dead. So here's his call. If, If you didn't rise last week, here it is again. He's saying, come up from there. Come up, come up, come up, come up, come up, come up. Arise. Christ has light for you. And this is his final words to us. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 16. Arise. Okay, you up. Arise, for your light has come. There's a reason this light is beckoning you to come up into the light. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your coming, of your your rising, but there has to be a rising and even a change. The revelation of repentance is we're not crying and all that. That has its place. He's nigh to them that are broken and contrite, yes. But there's a point in us now to change our outlook, change our mind, and not live like Christ is uh, incapable of getting us to the place where he needs to. He has a place for us that he wants us to not just be ready, but launch, move by his spirit. He wants us to carry walk in this power and authority that is that he wants to be prevalent we can't just have a little sprinkle you know we might i like to cook so sometimes i like um these videos and and there are some um some cooks and they do the sprinkle thing with the salt lord he ain't in for the sprinkling we need to permeate this earth permeate our jobs, permeate. And this is the thing. We all want to be salt together. What good is that doing if we're all up in here salt and when we get out there, we run in from darkness. We're supposed to attack. We're supposed to be. We're supposed to be the solution. 
We're supposed to season every place that we go. Let your words be seasoned. So there's a place that the Lord is beckoning us to. Every week, these messages will get into more into alignment, more into being ready, more into be alive in Christ. And this is something that I believe that the Lord is really driving home for us. Because you know what? I don't know what happened during COVID, but we kind of got a kickback spirit. We were just, okay, well, I got to be in the house. I'm going to be in the house. Be in the house. Let me cut on Netflix. You know, we can't uh, complain about those pandemic pounds. We did that to our own self. Here I am. I did it. I ain't blaming nobody. I am blaming Chick-fil-A. I'm not blaming no, any of the places that I like. I did that. But now we have to really get to the place that we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that which will please God. Because sometimes you may be led not to eat. Uh-oh, that's when it's customary in the kingdom. I'm telling you, you might not feel always like doing some of the things that he's commanding you to do. But if you knew the rewards of the kingdom, we do this because there's a reward. There's a reward. We are not just doing it all. He has promised rewards. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So if we would get into alignment and understand that he's calling us to be image and likeness, to be salt and light, and he gives it to us and letting us understand you're more than seasoning. I need, you're more than a preservative. You're a fertilizer. Understand what that means and allow him not just to fertilize you, but fertilize every place of darkness that you come in contact with. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for highlighting to us how valuable you place this message of salt in us. Decades, centuries ago, they used salt as currency. Oh, but can you use us? Can you trade us? Can you send us? Can we be obedient? Can we be so salty until there's residue everywhere we go and we never give out? Not only salt, but thank you for light. You said, I am the light of the world. And then you turned around and you said, you are light. Walk as children of light. Thank you for helping us to straighten our walk, our stance, our everything, our whole life, Father. Thank you for giving us this privilege to even come as, as soldiers, as emissaries, as ambassadors in the kingdom. Thank you for uh, giving us the uniform that we would say the same things and do the same things, but those things are only the things that represent you in honor. Thank you for helping us to honor you and to glorify you. Thank you that this word, Father, let it find us. Let us leave here and be salty and be light. We give your name the praise. We thank you so much, Father. I bless each and every one that is on the um, on the airwaves, those that are watching here, even in 
and service. Thank you. Thank you for all that we've had today here with the wonderful worship that we've had.